0: Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.
1: The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend.
2: Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets. But the point is, I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates? You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway?
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available on all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the Copperhead Snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a Copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. If you don't sit in your lucky seat, your team could lose. So don't leave your lucky seat. But do pick up your phone or computer and order B dubs to go. Or if you've got a big group, call in for the party menu. That way you can order wings, pick them up, and get back to your lucky seat. And if you do lose while sitting in your lucky seat, you can still feel lucky eating your feelings. Spicy feelings. Keep your superstitions. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings.
2: Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Ward were prohibited.
3: <laughs>
1: You are, you are, you you you, 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 you.
3: Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the Oscar for Best Lakers Podcast goes to Lakers Legacy Land. Yay! Yay! Oh, hold on, hold on. Guys, wait. I'm, I'm sorry. No. Laker Film Room Podcast. Uh, you won Best Podcast. This is, this is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Laker Film Room has won Best Podcast. Laker Film Room, Best Podcast. Pete, Pete, come up here, please. Pete, Pete, you've won. What do you have to say, Pete? You've won Best Lakers Podcast. Not Lakers Legacy.
4: Well,
5: uh, you know, I just want to say that uh, I'm very sorry for what happened to Lakers Legacy Podcast. That is very unfortunate, and I would not wish that upon anyone. All that being said, I am very grateful for this award tonight. A lot of hard work, sweat, blood, and tears have gone into it. And I also want to thank the Lakers Legacy Podcast for inspiring me to actually get started on this. So thank you, fellas. Y'all are the best.
3: Yeah! Woo! Woo! Good job, Pete. Good job, Laker Film Room Podcast, who, joking aside, probably would win Best Lakers Podcast. Oh, they were very good. <laughs> yes, they are very good. <laughs> Thank you, Pete, for that gracious compliment as well. All right, with that said, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Tonight's show is sponsored by Audible.com, the leading provider of audiobooks on the internet. If you use the URL audibletrial.com almighty, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial and get one free audiobook download upon signing up. So go ahead and do that because apparently people have trouble reading things. So Audible.com will help you because it'll just say the read the book for you, and you don't even have to read it yourself. It'll say that book so good It'll say It'll say that book so good. So tonight I am joined by my co-hosts, Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander. Tommy is in his car right now, live from his car. Fellas, how are you feeling now that the NBA's home stretch is underway and the Lakers are officially, truly in hashtag flash the progress mode? Tommy?
0: I feel pretty good. Uh, we're going to lose every game most likely for the rest of the season, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, nice to see that we're finally taking a step forward.
5: Alan,
3: what about you?
0: Yeah,
5: I agree. Um, it, it's crazy, though, that for such a you know awful season record-wise, it's gone by so much faster than the last three years. The fact that they only have 20-something games left is, is pretty crazy.
3: Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. And, spoiler alert, I think I'm fully on board with uh... – tank a i am hoping they just show some progress but lose at the very end
5: you can't show progress you have to flash it
3: i hope they flash progress and then just totally die at the end <laughs> before we get started though please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod I believe we're really close to hitting 800 followers, so please get us to 800. But we'd really like to hit 1000 before the season is over. Given that that silly Coltsick Mike Sports LA dude has amassed about like 3000 followers, I That's think insane. we need to do It's insane, right? I think we need to do better here as a Twitter people, folks. So, get us more followers or else we're going to change our Twitter handle to Lakers Worldwide News or something like that cuz it seems like those types of accounts just seem to default generate 3000 followers right off the bat. So, yes, please get us more followers. At Lakers Legacy Pod. Also, please rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that is how many times Lonzo Ball's father, Lavar, will continue to claim that one of his dozen sons is better than a current NBA All-Star and will also play for the Lakers. In fact, he is probably in the process of producing another son as we speak <laughs> who will also go to Chino Hills, play for UCLA, and then play for the Lakers, and his name is probably gonna be Lagello Ball or something. So, <laughs> so please rate and nah, dude it's
5: gonna be la magic ball <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah probably speaking of rating and reviews tonight we're gonna have a special guest on to read their itunes review and it's gonna be none other than charles barkley so chuck welcome to the show and uh take it away
4: hey man you know i don't usually do these uh <laughs> social media things i think it's for a bunch of losers i think uh all the people that do social media, just a bunch of knuckleheads. And I got to say right now, you know, it's Monday night and TNT doing this players-only thing, and that's why I ain't there. Thank God they got that Chris <laughs> Webber guy. But anyway, I'm here. Uh, so this one, well, I'm supposed to read this. All right, it says, Diamond in the Rough from Stat Guy StatGuyD. Uh, there are so, 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 man, why you got to say so, so many times? What's wrong <laughs> with you, fool? All right, men in Lakers pods that are silly fans, saying insane, or best nonsensical. That's a big-ass word. Uh, what, you trying to fool somebody? You smart some Stuff about the Lakers and the NBA in general. Here is a pod that understands the league and the reality of the current Lakers state in it, which I got to say is garbage. It is complete crap with the Lakers are magic. Good luck, buddy. All right, fellas. See y'all later. Wow 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 that was really
3: good um i don't even know what to say i feel like we should just talk to chuck the entire rest of the podcast and scrap whatever we had planned uh, i
4: ain't gonna hang out with you losers you kidding me <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay thank you chuck thank you chuck what was the guy's name again
4: stat guy d the stupid name stupid <laughs>
3: thank you stat guy just kidding man keep it up Alright, thanks, Chuck. Uh, Alan, yes. you should
0: only
4: talk like that from now on, dude. That, that voice sounds, sounds good. I, I could do that. I could do that. It's a sex sexy voice.
3: No, that's good. See you later, Chuck. I beep, just hit the button. That I don't know, flushes you away, something like that. <laughs> but yeah, so thank you, Stat Guy Please rate and review us on iTunes because if you do that, we will have Chuck read it. I mean, you can't ask for anything more. All right. With that said and me trying to compose myself I guess let's get started with some Lakers news. Obviously, this is our first episode post-trade deadline. A bunch of, I guess not crazy stuff, but the trade deadline as a whole was a crazy time. The only other big move that happened was New Orleans Noel going to the Mavs for pretty much Justin Anderson. And then obviously the Lakers picked up Tyler Ennis in the process by just trading away Marcelo Huerta, so... Pour one out for the catalyst, everybody. Spanish clown. Spanish clown days are over.
0: (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that.
3: Yeah, so there you go. We got Tyler Ennis now. But I think the biggest Lakers news, though, that was circulating around trade deadline were the rumors that, and at this point it's not even rumors, that Paul George pretty much wants to become a Laker and he has two options that he's given the Indiana Pacers and pretty much two options that he's given the league. One, either build a team around me that's going to contend. That's his message to Larry Bird. Or two, I'm going to walk in 2018 and find myself with the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, a team that I've always wanted to play for, huge Kobe Bryant fan, huge Magic Johnson fan. So Paul George has one year left. He needs to make an all-NBA team uh, this next year before he signs the massive designated players veteran exception. Or he needs to make it two out of the last three years. This year, it's unlikely to happen. There's no way he's going to make an all-NBA team. That's first, second, or third uh, so his his next chance is going to be next year 2017-18 season and unless he makes that Indiana cannot give him that DPVE exception that allows them to use 35% of their cap and sign him for like five years which I think at this point is going to come out to an average of like 35 million dollars which is huge yeah. and at that point no superstar is going to walk away from that kind of money Right. but you know we were looking at the landscape we were wondering is Paul George even going to make it next year because a bunch of forwards have risen in the NBA in terms of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Gordon Hayward those guys are pretty much shoe-ins to be all NBA teamers next year this year as well, so the likelihood of Paul George even making it next year is kind of low. Especially, He pretty much has to have a bang-out year, and also the Indiana Pacers have to do really, really well for him to do that. So with that said, I feel like Indiana's in a pinch here because they're, they're not even able to give him that designated player's exception, which would be their biggest tool in being able to retain him. So with that said, guys, I guess my question to you is, this summer, if the Lakers keep their top three pick and... Paul George once again forces Bird's hand and says, hey man, I'm going to walk in 2018. I guess, what's your stance on trying to acquire Paul George versus waiting another year and hoping he just comes in free agency and kind of, I guess, testing fate to hope that he doesn't make that all-NBA team this next year? Do you just keep all our assets and wait and, I guess... What difference does a top three pick this year do for us? Does it make it more likely to push for a trade this summer or less likely? So, Tommy, I'll ask you that question first.
0: Well, I don't think it makes it less likely uh, by landing the top pick. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I just feel like to the extent Paul George had any trade value this trade deadline, it's it's got to be at least like 50% lower at least uh, this summer because... The leverage is completely gone, right? Like, to the extent Boston was like, okay, maybe we can do a trade and then have Paul George for two trade, or sorry, for two playoff runs. You can make the argument that, okay, they'll trade some very, very, very top assets for something like that uh, because their window is relatively small anyway. And then maybe if you keep him for two playoff runs, he gets more acclimated to Boston and he thinks, okay, maybe I'll just resign here. No team is going to trade for Paul George for a one-year rental without some assurance from him or his agent that there's at least a good chance that he's going to resign there. And especially given all of these rumors floating around with the Lakers, that's going to make it even less likely that a team is going to commit significant assets. So the reason I bring that up is if you're the Lakers, you have no reason to make it. You know what I mean? You have literally 100% of the leverage. I mean, you could argue, okay, because Indiana gets some slight um, cap advantages over us when it comes to re-signing him. You could argue that maybe Indiana has, like, 2% leverage. Like, okay, well, you know, they could argue, like, okay, well, he, he's not going to walk away from the money or whatever, which I think he probably would. But uh, inter- assuming he doesn't make the All-NBA team. But I don't – so that's – that. I think your question's really good. And I think that there's no clear answer. And I think – If I'm the Lakers, I, you know, if I get the top three pick, maybe I trade it for Paul George. If it's, you know, Josh Jackson or whoever it ends up being, maybe I trade it for Paul George. But I can see why they wouldn't do that also and just sort of say, like, we have all the leverage. Your team is not going to build a contender this year, like, obviously. So if you want to trade him to us, we'll give you Randall and, like, some future firsts, and just say like take it or leave it, or we'll just sign them next summer for free. So it's it's up to you. Um, maybe I see something like that happening, uh, but yeah, very very difficult situation.
5: Uh, Alan, what about you? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'd be willing to part with an asset of ours that we have, like Tommy you mentioned, Julius. I mean, as long as it's not Brandon Ingram and probably not D'Angelo, uh, you know, I'd be willing to part with some of the other guys. But, like you said, Tommy, we have all the leverage. And, I mean, some of these rumors, like he's hell bent on making his way to the Lakers coming from a guy like Mark Spears. It's not these, like, nobodies. Exactly. The fact that word has gotten out to every single NBA team that this is the case has Paul George refuted any of those things? No, he hasn't. I mean, he looked darn near depressed (laughs) right after He Made it actually way
0: worse, I thought, yeah.
5: Exactly. And Paul George. I mean, we don't know him personally, but he seems like a pretty intelligent guy. You know, there were a lot of times when Dwight, for example, would say things to the media that are just like, "Oh my gosh, this guy is—I don't know—he's kind of immature. He's a bit of a diva." Paul George doesn't strike me as that type, so he wasn't mincing words when he said all that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of trading the pick, I—I um, I don't know. I don't—I don't think I would do it, but like you said, it depends on who's left on the board. Uh, if you're looking at, shoot, if we have the number one pick, are we going to trade Markel Fultz <laughs> for right, Paul George? Right, right. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, if it's Lonzo Ball, are we going to do that? Probably not. Um, so it, it just depends. Uh, but again, would I say no, don't trade anybody at all. Just take your chances in signing a free agency. Not necessarily. It just depends on on who specifically we're talking
0: about exactly and and one thing to add on that I uh, I think the Markel folds point is well taken it's you know it has happened and it's actually happened in recent history that teams have traded number one overall pick for a, like a established all-star right but to the extent it's happened it's because those teams need to compete like right now yeah, you know it I mean? already it was. Set. It was yeah. You know, LeBron and Kyrie added Kevin Love for Wiggins because the idea being we have this window with LeBron and Kyrie and we're not going to wait for three years for Andrew Wiggins to develop into like a NBA Finals contributing player. So we're just going to trade him for Kevin Love right now. But the Lakers. okay, so you trade like, let's say so. Yeah, let's say you have the top three pick. Imagine our exact current roster just adding Paul George, would we be better? Obviously we'd be better, but like how much better is, is kind of a big question mark, you know, are we a playoff team? Maybe we're an eight team. So then at that point you're thinking, okay, well, if you hold on for a year, you develop this asset and then Paul George is still only going to be 28. And if he's giving you all indications that he's coming anyway, and you have cap space, now you just have that much more assets to work with because a top pick is going to be great. Um, whether we keep them or don't keep them. So anyway, that's where the tricky part comes in. But
3: I guess here's where I'll play devil's advocate. Cause I'm a little more 50, 50 on this. Um, you know, obviously the trade to look at in terms of not making the same mistake is that New York Knicks trade with for Carmelo Anthony when they knew that he wanted to be a New York Knick and he was going to be an unrestricted free agent that next summer, right? And they decided to give up Danilo Gallinari, Raymond Felton, Timothy Mozgov, Picks, or whatever just to get Carmelo Anthony on even though he was going to re-sign with them anyways or sign with them that free agent summer. So they pretty much gutted their team for Carmelo, right? That's something the Lakers don't want to do. Um, my thinking though is that if the Lakers keep their top three pick and they have the leverage I feel like if I'm Magic Johnson I feel like he would just take the plunge right there if it doesn't cost us anything more than that number one pick because keep in mind that our young core who's been playing with each other for the last one or two years together, they've already established some sort of chemistry. So we wouldn't need to break that up necessarily. Maybe we have to add one more piece to the number one pick. But to bring Paul George in, because the draft is happening before free agency, then we could reassess what we have with Paul George and start to build around him as early as this summer in terms of free agency is like the next, the week after that, you know what I mean, and right. then they could probably sign someone like, oh, JJ Redick, and all of a sudden, maybe we actually have a playoff team starting 2017-18 season, and we can get that actual competitive contending process underway instead of waiting one year because. What happens yeah. if Indiana and the and Larry Bird just find a way to retool the Pacers and alleviate Paul George and Paul George is like, oh, I'm happy. All of a sudden, we're right you know, fifth seed in Indiana. At that point, I think if Magic Johnson is like, oh, wait, we can get Paul George pretty much just for the number one pick. I think the Lakers would do that, and I wouldn't necessarily complain about that. Does that make sense? That makes yeah.
0: sense. But I also think that it's like a little bit. It's a little bit changing the hypothetical because I do think the number one option for Larry Bird is going to be this summer somehow aggressively tried to build a contender. So yeah. regardless of when we get, I, we're obviously going to know what our pick is and we're going to make the pick much before that. Um, so I don't think, I mean, if Larry Bird on draft night just like, it just relents and is like, okay, you guys have the number three and we can't trade him anywhere else because everybody knows he wants to go there if he gets traded. So we'll take like your Josh Jackson pick. I can see in that case how it would be more 50-50. But I, I guess I'm just saying, like, if he actually goes through this whole process of trying to build a contender and then we've already made the pick and then we're just sitting there and it's like, you know, free agent. I get your what your point you're trying to make of, like, we get we lock in Paul George and then we build our, our whole free agency around that. I think there's two issues. One is we'll have way less money because – Paul George is going to obviously make significantly more than whatever our number one pick is going to make. Um, but two, by the time I think the Pacers decide what they're actually going to do with Paul George, it's going to be too late for all of that. I th- it's very possible. In which case I do th- agree with you that it's more 50 50. I just don't see that as like, if they didn't cut their losses of this trade deadline, I think they're going to at least try to do something in free agency or trades uh, before they move Paul George. So
3: Yep, so we'll see what happens. Either way, we're hoping for that top three pick to even give us the options to do something. Whether that's keep it at another top-level high-upside asset, or we explore the trade market just to see what teams are willing to give up. So we will see. The only other news is that the Lakers just bought out Jose Calderon and waived him. So... No, <laughs> JC, he will be going to the Golden State Warriors, apparently. So, you know, good awesome. for him. Hopefully he gets to win a, sh- a chip or something like that. So, I mean, with that said, I think tonight we're just going to talk about how the Lakers have looked since Magic Johnson has officially began. his
2: And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. It's a common expression. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app. Look it in the mouth. Get amazing services. Thank you. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app. Look it in the mouth. Get amazing services. Thank you
3: reign obviously having Lou Will now gone the Lakers actually are able to officially move on with the young guys and the young core and I think we've seen a noticeable difference from the young guys just being able to play a little more freely and just having more guard minutes open for Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell has made a huge difference so I guess just I'll ask you guys from a general overview Alan what have you seen these last two games that you've liked because look we've lost the last two games just as recently as yesterday we lost by 17 points but that was the greatest 17 point loss i've seen and then oh, sorry that was uh, on friday wasn't it yesterday was a san antonio game where we lost by 21 points but that was a great 21 point loss <laughs> and then on friday we lost by 17 to okc and that was a great 17 point loss so why alan am i viewing this as something great i guess in your your eyes
5: well, first of all, the team is making a lot more passes than they were, that's for sure. I saw somewhere yeah. on Twitter, um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they made like 30-something more passes than they typically did. With I don't know, it was some like crazy number uh, that the ball is just moving a lot more, and just by any eye test, you could see that. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the players are being a lot more aggressive. I think Brandon Ingram, most notably, uh, is is really just doing his thing. He's playing his game and he's he hasn't been afraid of like drawing contact prior to this but he's getting to the cup a lot more easily than he was before maybe he needed that like nine day break or whatever it is for his body to recover but he's taking control for sure as are all the guys since lou isn't the one bringing the ball up the floor and drifting and drawing fouls on three-pointers uh d'angelo as well obviously i would say he's taken it to another level just as much as Brandon Ingram has. Uh, The fact that he's shot the ball however many times, like 24, 25 times against OKC, to think that there were times where he shot the ball two times, five times, four times in in certain games, it's just uh, such a stark contrast. Um, Jordan Clarkson as well, he's being really aggressive. Honestly, there have been some times where he reminded me, this was against San Antonio, he looked like the Jordan Clarkson rookie year where he broke onto the scene after the all-star break and looked like a poor, poor, poor man's Russell Westbrook. And we've seen some flashes of that, uh, over these last two games. So overall, it just looks like guys are taking more ownership over what's going on with the team because they know there isn't someone there to just fall back on whether it was a conscious thing or not with them. It's understandable why they would get comfortable at a certain point in the game, just dishing it to that professional score.
3: Yep, agree. Tommy, what about you? What have you liked out of these last two blowout losses? Uh,
0: yeah, so I'll start by giving props to the front office for pretty much executing a plan that was we all presumed was a plan like the past three years that we've been doing this, and by that I mean signing on these veterans and then at some point during the season taking off the you know the leash or whatever from the young guys and just letting them run wild. Yeah. You know, and we kind of thought that this is what we were supposed to be doing this entire time. But for some reason it hasn't happened until now. But anyway, I, uh, I same thing, pretty much the same thing Alan said. I give a lot of props to uh, D'Angelo. Uh, He's looked extremely, extremely aggressive. I, Jordan Clarkson, extremely, extremely aggressive. And same with Ingram. And I think, I think with all these guys, it's, it's like Alan said, they're, they're taking ownership. They're taking accountability. They know like, now this is my team. Like, this is not Lou Williams' team. This is not, uh, you know, Timothy Mozgov- Timothy Moskov's team. I don't know if they ever thought that. But it's just like... <laughs> Zubats all- is like, it's my team now. <laughs> yeah. But the, the point is, it's like they know that these guys aren't there to bail them out anymore. Um, Especially Lou Williams, because he was just having, like, the best season of his life. So it, it's, like, nice to see these guys acknowledging, like, now I have to be the aggressor. And it's... That's like the next step in people's development, you know, that's how what causes guys like, you know, to go from nine points per game as a sophomore or rookie to uh, much, much, much more than that as they get older and more aggressive. So having these guys at 21 years old learn to harness their aggression and on offense, um, I think is a really important thing. So I'm pretty happy with it.
3: Yeah. And, you know, D'Angelo Russell said as much when the Lou Will trade happened and people are giving him flack today for being super honest and saying, well, now we got to turn up the intensity because Lou Will is gone and we have to look behind our backs. And people are saying, is that good that he's only turning up his intensity now? And I don't think that's what he's saying at all. You know, no, what I mean? yeah, yeah. when we were advocating for a Lou Will trade, one of the scenarios that we put out there in advocacy of that was that trading Lou Will will light a fire under these guys, you know what I mean? And also, one, it'll shake up the chemistry of the team, but it also cause them to look at themselves and be like, oh my gosh, a guy who's averaging 19 points a game could just be traded like that, you know what I mean? And it seems like that's what they're internalizing for themselves, and it's turning out to be an actual good thing. So it's not like these guys didn't have motivation prior to that. I think D'Angelo Russell is just stating the obvious in terms of when a shakeup like this happens, it kind of just naturally wakes you up and takes you to a different level, knowing that any of us could be gone and none of us are exempt from this. We all have to play really well and now there's even more onus on us because we're getting the minutes. There's no more excuses, right? So I think that's all D'Angelo Russell is saying and to his credit, he's responded big time. So let's just go right down the line with some of our top players here and how they've looked recently in this new official Flash the Progress movement. I'm going to name this episode D'Angelo Unchained. You know, like... uh, Django Unchained? Unchained, yeah. D'Angelo Unchained. So... Against OKC, he had 29 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds, 4 steals. Like Allen said, took 26 shots. He only hit 3 for 12 from 3, but he just looked confident. And honestly, these last few games, how many times has D'Angelo Russell got tapped for assists, man? He's been making... Oh my gosh, he should have had
0: like a double-double in assists in both games, yeah.
3: Like, he's been so good just passing the ball, whipping it out to guys on the perimeter, making the right passes, making the right plays, and that's all being dictated also by the fact that he doesn't look afraid to score anymore. Mm -hmm. He doesn't look afraid to take shots. You know, against San Antonio where he had 18 points on 8 for 16 shooting, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, he started the game off like 0 for 2, 0 for 3, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. I hope he's going to keep shooting. I don't know if this is going to deter him. And luckily, he kept shooting, and he found his way out of it, ended up shooting 50%, you know? And he only got got 29 minutes. If that wasn't such a blowout, he probably would have gotten closer to what he got in OKC, which is 35 minutes. But I've just been so impressed by the way hes He just looks a lot more freer. He looks like he's not thinking too much. And I like shoot my shot, D'Angelo, a lot better than let me pace myself and see if I should pass or not and take my time... The fact that he's so aggressive, and especially in the OKC game, towards the end there, when he just kept driving it into the lane, I was like, whoa, who is this guy? You know what I mean? He was finishing with his right hand, making layups off the dribble. He ha- he showed some sort of craftiness while finishing. In fact, the layups that he did miss were the ones like right under the basket that he got an offensive rebound off of and wasn't able to convert for whatever reason. Yeah. But the ones where he was taking, taking guys off the dribble and kind of gliding into the lane and then finishing I was really impressed by that that he would even venture out and do that so props to D'Angelo for being a lot more aggressive and the return of his mid-range game for me has been the biggest improvement it finally seems like he's putting all of these things together not just the three-point shot in fact that's been his weakest thing recently It's more the combination of him just taking mid-range jump shots off the pick and roll and then also starting to mix it up a little bit and drive it into the lane a little more as well. So, Alan, what have you seen from D'Angelo that you've liked?
5: Yeah, I mean, I like all the stuff (laughs) that you just said for sure. Um, I mean, the best thing is he's being very decisive. He isn't dribbling the ball up the court, passing it to the wing, and then running to the corner or something and hardly coming off of screens or doing anything else, you know? That's pretty much what it was. and. It's like he he gets tunnel vision. Like, one night I'm going to focus on blank, and then tomorrow night I'm going to focus on aspect B of my game and and this and that. Like you said, he's just putting it all together, having very complete games. Uh, His turnovers have been, you know, pretty good. Uh, Defensively, he's stepped up. Like you said, he had four steals against OKC. And I really liked uh, the end of that game, like you said, where he just took the game into his own hands and, was playing with a very clear mind. It seemed like, um, so what I'm looking for from now on is that he's consistent, obviously, because we've seen things similar to this before, have a couple good games, maybe even a solid week and then disappear for like two to three games at this point with 20 something games left, you don't have time to disappear at all, you know? So no off nights, if your shots not falling, please keep shooting it because, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're a shooter. That's what you're supposed to do. You're, you're not going to make any shots if you're not even taking them. And uh, yeah, hopefully he just ends this season on a high note and, and he's feeling very confident about his game. I feel like he's a very cerebral player. I think he's thinking like so much that it, it can work against him. Um, so he just has to trust himself.
0: Tommy, what about you? I've been really happy with D'Angelo's play. Uh, this is who we drafted, you know. This is Ohio State D'Angelo Russell that mm-hmm. we were all so excited about. And to the point where, like, before he even started getting real, real hype, we were already, like, mid-January of that year uh, during the college season, I should say, saying, like, "I if the Lakers get a top three pick, I would probably take D'Angelo over Okafor, you know, before that was even, like, a thing. So, I uh, Really nice to see him getting his, his looks and converting. Uh, I feel like a lot, a lot, a lot of this flack that D'Angelo's gotten this year has been people who either are not understanding what they're watching or actually are just not watching and are just looking at stats. Um, mm-hmm. Because I get it. If I was just looking at stats... And not paying attention to context or actually viewing any of the games, I would think D'Angelo's mailing it in or, you know, he hasn't improved or he's distracted or, you know, whatever. And we've given him our fair share of criti- criticism. But what all of this ignores is many key facts. One, D'Angelo was for a good chunk of the season playing less per- minutes per game than he did last year, Okay. Number two, D'Angelo is not taking that many shots. I know everybody gets super high on Devin Booker, and I really like Devin Booker too. Devin Booker, over the course of this entire season, is averaging 18 shots a game. And before Lou Williams got traded, D'Angelo was averaging under 13 shots a game. And that's important, not just because, oh, well, five shots, that doesn't account for the point differential. Well, first of all, maybe it could. And second of all, it's, it's... the five shots and when you're talking about a guy who's a, a score, right? This is not a low post center like Chris Epps, Porzingis, Carl Anthony towns outside shooters rely on attempts to get into rhythm. Like imagine if Kobe Bryant in his prime, every time he started a game, Oh, for four, Phil Jackson just pulled him. Okay. And you can make the argument that, yeah, D'Angelo has to develop a reputation as being like a consistent scorer And, Okay, I get all that, but you have to give him those opportunities. That Friday game, which I thought he looked, I know I, he might, he's definitely had better, stati- at least one better statistical game this season um, than he did in that Friday game. But in terms of how aggressive and assertive he looked, I thought that was the best he's looked all year. Yep. Um, and he looked like that because he knew he he knew that he wasn't going to get pulled out of the game and for no reason, you know, just because Lou Williams got hot. He was getting his consistent minutes. He never sat on the bench for 12 minutes at a time. And I think that helped a lot. And then the only other thing I'll add is. I, I completely agree and I'm a full believer in the three point shot being a big part of the NBA now. And D'Angelo needs to be an elite three point shooter if he's going to be a top. Uh, player at his position in the NBA, that's for sure. But there was a long, long stretch where it felt like to the extent he was shooting, 75% of his attempts were three-pointers. And that needs to go down. And for him to show that I can get to the rim is huge. To shoot in the mid-range, that's still going to have to be a part of his game. It shouldn't be like DeMar DeRozan, that's my entire game. Mm -hmm. But it's got to be a part of his game. And I think he's shown that that's still in there somewhere. He just needs to get in a rhythm. And like I said, the Friday game, best game of, of the season, in my opinion, he started that game like over three, um, and he just kept going and going and eventually he got in stretches where he got hot. And then there were some stretches in the middle where he wasn't as hot and he missed three in a row, but he kept going and going and he got hot again, you know? And that's, that's what it is. And over the course of the whole game, he basically shot 50%. So yeah, that's how it goes with outside shooters. You have to keep giving them touches and let them get into rhythm and, and, uh, and, and let them do their thing. And I think that's where D'Angelo is. Oh, and sorry, one other thing I wanted to add, I agree hundred percent with the finishing at the rim has been amazing. And his drives yeah. have been really great. And it's very, very easy to forget this dude is 20 literally last week, just turned 21. Um, he's not fully like uh, physically developed as like an NBA adult, I should say. And uh, imagine what he's going to look like when he can actually take some contact at the basket and still put up the shots. That's, that's going to be pretty scary. So Props to him for expanding in, the, in that uh, aspect of his game.
3: Totally. And the one play I want to highlight from this past weekend was against OKC on Friday. There was this play in the fourth quarter where he got switched or Sabonis got switched onto him. And I don't think we've ever seen D'Angelo wave off guys and say, I got this guy. It's a big. And he's out at the three-point line, and he starts dancing on Sabonis, right? And he takes him straight into the lane for an easy lay-in. And that's the D'Angelo we want to see because usually what's he going to do? He waves someone off to do what? Pull up and shoot a three right? on the big man. This time he was like, let me dance a little bit and start showing off my crazy handles and i'll take you straight into the lane and that's all we've been asking for you know the fact that he's finally starting to explore that is very very encouraging and then the other thing that i really like from d'angelo is he probably has the most lethal behind the back crossover i've ever seen from someone
0: it's it's pretty yeah. devastating, yeah.
3: It, like, freezes the opponent because he, he just plants himself right there, and the opponent thinks he's about to go to the rim or do something else, but it's a pretty lethal move, so the fact that he has that in his arsenal already is really cool.
5: <laughs> in the rookie-sophomore game when he was throwing off his handles, yeah. was that against the bonus, too? No, it was...
0: No, I thought it was against uh, Hernan Gomez.
5: Yeah, one of those oh, guys. Oh <laughs> darn! I was gonna say, dude, but he like put a target on his back for some reason. He did. He was I pick know. on that guy forever. He
3: was doing the same
0: things in that rookie sophomore year. Yeah, that's what it
5: reminded me of when I saw it.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna say, I'm glad you guys brought that up because I was gonna say, I although D'Angelo has so much swag and like acts like this overly confident dude, I think he's human. Obviously, you know what I mean. So he. You have to, like, if you're not fully confident in what you're doing, it's hard to execute it. And when he pulled that off in that game, it, like, showed him, oh, shoot, I can do this in a game. You know what I mean? And yeah. I know it's, like, a glorified exhibition, but he still did it in a game in front of, like, with defense, with people watching. And and I think that must have given him some confidence to be, like, oh, well, if I can do that in a game, like, I've proven to myself I could do it. I could do it in, like, just a regular season game, too. So... That's, again, a part of developing and getting those minutes is getting more confident with stuff like that.
3: Yep, totally agree. So thank God for D'Angelo Unchained. Hmm. Okay, so the next player we want to talk about and highlight is obviously freaking Brandon Ingram, who got his career high yesterday against Kawhi Leonard, no less. 22 points on 10 for 15 shooting. There was a period of time where he was like 8 for 8 or something like that. 22 points, two rebounds, one block. Didn't do much else, but it didn't matter because all we saw was aggressive, offensive Brandon Ingram taking it straight towards guys taking it straight at Kawhi Leonard, even though Kawhi Leonard was hot himself. I was very, very impressed by Brandon Ingram. He also had a pretty solid, decent game in OKC, 11 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal. In fact, in the month of February, look, this isn't anything to like write home about, but given what we've seen from Brandon Ingram, this is still considered progress. In the month of February, 9 games, Brandon Ingram is averaging 10 points, 4.3 rebounds, 2 assists, on 45% shooting and 38% from three. And that's the stat I want to highlight. You know, it seems like his three-point shot has come around, especially at the baseline. But I was so impressed yesterday by just the poise he showed. And he was hitting some weird, awkward shots against dudes, like one-legged fadeaway leaners, all this stuff against the San Antonio Spurs, who are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Um, And he was just asserting himself to a point where he was muscling guys out of position and just... Pulling up for a jump shot, you know, and that's the kind of Brandon Ingram that we like to see, especially because he struggled a little bit this past month. Um, But also the last two games, he had shows he has shown some crazy feats of athleticism. And by athleticism, I'm talking about that alley oop dunk against OKC, where he that (laughs) That I never that that was was sick, sick, dude.
0: That was sick. That
3: was against a bonus, wasn't it? No, it
0: was over Taj Gibson.
3: Oh, Taj Gibson, which is even more impressive. Like, I couldn't believe the amount of ferocity and power he jammed that ball in, you know? So he used all of his length in that one play and totally slammed it down on Taj, and you could hear the crowd go, whoa. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I did the same. I was like, I didn't know he was that that athletic, you know? And it looks even more impressive because he's so long. Yep. And then, of course, yesterday against Pal Gasol, he, took, he knifed it straight down the baseline and rose for that one-handed jam and he used all his length once again so I've just been very impressed with the way Brandon Ingram has come out of the all-star break just being a lot more aggressive and like he said when he worked out with Magic Johnson Magic told him hey you gotta attack the defense more you gotta take contact and be more aggressive and drive instead of just pulling your dribble back or passing it out and we've seen a conscious effort on Ingram's part to do all of those things so Alan what has been the most impressive part from brandon ingham for you
5: yeah those dunks were nice. um definitely definitely impressed with his aggressiveness it's like the second he catches the ball like you said he doesn't just dribble back out beyond the three-point line through his legs like three or four times and then make an interior pass the second he catches it he's gonna do something whether it's a pull-up or he's gonna drive and uh he's even hit a couple mid-range shots here and there with a hand in his face um so it's it's really good to see maybe even though he he's played sparingly uh, in that rookie sophomore world u s a game, uh, maybe just getting out there with his peers you know kind of did something uh, like like Tommy said earlier with D'Angelo um, when you gain some confidence just through a couple different things, it could just trigger something in your brain, and it's funny, I felt like Brandon kind of played seriously in that rookie sophomore game uh, more so than the other guys. He was actually playing some defense and kind of had like a, a Kawhi Leonard approach to the game um, like Kawhi in the all-star game. So I, I definitely put some stock in what magic uh, did with him. There are some videos and pictures of magic talking with Brandon and uh, he even specifically cited what his message was for him. And it seems like he soaked it up like a sponge, which is great to see. Uh, so again, just like I said earlier, hopefully he can be consistent. I mean, a couple months left to go and,
0: uh, yeah, we'll see what happens.
3: Tommy, what did, what have you liked from Brandon?
5: Yeah.
0: The aggression for Brandon Ingram to me is the big thing. He's been extremely, extremely aggressive, uh, and executing, you know what I mean? It's, I don't, it's, it's like tough, right? Because now it's gonna, I don't want to be like on the train of everybody, anything good that happens from here on out is because of magic Johnson. But <laughs> there was that, you know, all those pictures of magic talking to Ingram. And sometimes it's like obvious stuff that, you know, the coaching staff on a day to day basis, like they did, they're not saying it to him or they didn't say it the right way. But like magic was an elite player and he made all these comments about like Jerry West was so great for all of mm-hmm. us young guys. When we started with the Lakers, because He would stop by practice, you know, not every day, not super imposing, but like would give us pointers here and there. And when a Hall of Fame guy is giving you pointers once in a while, you might listen to it. You're taken more seriously uh, than your coach who's like droning on and on and on every day about like all these different things, you know. So I don't know what happened, but, you you know, maybe it was the rookie sophomore game. But Brandon Ingram is just like making assertive movements with the ball all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. He doesn't look like rookie Brandon Ingram. Uh, He looks like he, there's a purpose with everything he does. He still makes some mistakes, but he looks like he's totally in charge of what he's doing. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's also funny, the uh, original flash to the progress play, which was that like (laughs) crossover and drive against Toronto, that game that we were all at when we got lit, when he did that drive, Flashes, flashes. (laughs) when he did the flashes play, that was the original play. It seems like he's done those kinds of dunks, like so many games in a row now. And it's like, it's kind of scary, dude, because when you think about it, it's, once he starts to develop his lower body strength, really his whole body strength, but like his lower body strength for explosiveness and then his upper body strength for like absorbing just a little bit of contact. He's going to be posterizing dudes like Giannis does because once his arm gets up there, guys go up thinking like, oh, he's showing me the ball. I can block this. And then all of a sudden his arm just keeps extending.
5: <laughs> and
0: he just like, he lasts higher in the air than everybody. And then he just hammers it right down in their face. Yeah. And and that's going to lead to a lot of exciting plays. I think in the, in the upcoming years, if he can continue that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. And it seems like he can palm the ball very easily. I'm, I'm yeah. not sure if he has, Kawhi yeah, yeah, no, hands, but he definitely secures that in his big mitts. And, You know, the one thing that Brandon Ingram always did in college, too, was he'd always take these long strides to the basket going all the way left. And we saw that against San Antonio, where he finally was at the three-point line and then just took a bunch of dribbles to the left and finished and extended his uh, arm for a nice, lanky, left-handed layup. And just those moves in general, just driving it to the basket on his own accord, have been really impressive. And we haven't seen shoot-my-shot Brandon Ingram very many times this season. And l- last night, yesterday against the Spurs was one of the first times where I saw him call his own shot, call his own number, and be like, yeah, I'm just going to take this. And yeah. he did it with effectiveness and efficiency. So yeah. hopefully this will give him a lot more confidence to be that way moving forward, especially doing it against like Kawhi Leonard, who we've compared him to in the past. And hopefully just doing that will continue to... Yeah, just allow him to be more aggressive and and show him like, Hey, I can compete with Kawhi Leonard and keep in mind, Kawhi Leonard started off really hot and he ended with only 25 points. I felt like he had like 18 in the first half pretty much, but the fact that Brandon Ingram could go toe to toe with this guy, probably one of a guy that he should consider an idol uh, was really, really, I think encouraging from his end and against the Spurs, no less. So great job by Brandon Ingram. Um, Hopefully it continues. I guess the only other guy I want to talk about that benefited from this Lou Will trade is Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson hasn't even had amazing games. But the, the way that he's looked is just night and day, pretty much. He looks more confident. Alan, you touched upon it a little earlier. The dribble moves he's doing, he looks a lot more dynamic, just like his rookie year. He looks more athletic. He has bursts of speed all of a sudden. And the biggest part is... He's still making some dumbass plays because he's still trying to wipe that away from what he, whatever he's been doing this right. season, you know, including that air ball lob to nobody against the Spurs. <laughs> but he has had five assists against OKC, and then also yesterday he had two assists, and it seems like he's at least making good pick-and-roll reads once again in spite of some of those uh, stupid boneheaded turnovers. So I just really like that Clarkson seems like he's not looking over his shoulder. He's not worried about, man, I better just get my shot in right now or else I'm going to get pulled. It's more of a balanced game from Jordan Clarkson, and like you said, it looks like he's back to how he was as a rookie. And it's e- I think it's even less about... The minutes he's been getting, and more just the fact that he has the ball in his hands and he's able to create and explore his space without worrying about I'm just going to play off ball because Lou will has the ball the entire time. You know, the guy is just more comfortable being able to dribble the ball and explore for himself whether he's going to shoot it or make this pick and roll pass. So, Alan, what have you liked from Jordan Clarkson, and have you seen a noticeable difference?
5: Yeah, definitely, uh, especially against San Antonio. Uh, there are a number of times where he got in the paint, would stop on a dime pump fake, reverse pivot, et cetera, and looked really under control and deliberate. He didn't get too deep into the paint, which is something that we've complained about numerous times. Um, It's like he really found his spots. And, um, you know, again, as far as why this is happening, could he have done this with Lou Williams on the floor? Yeah, of course he could have. But it seemed like before he was definitely in I-need-to-defer mode, and then the second he does get it back it was like, it's like he didn't know what to do. I don't don't know. It's like he he lost his role on the team in his mind Mm -hmm. or something. Um, So is he going to be kind of our go-to bench isolation guy? Yeah, that's probably going to be his role now. And Maybe just having that peace of mind at this point is enough for him to, uh, you know, make these basketball plays with confidence. Um, Because is he going to be a catch-and-shoot dude? probably not so much he's going to be more of that pull-up jump shooter where we're in a pinch there's seven seconds left on the shot clock you need to go do your thing um so that's what I've seen from him and uh yeah I I think he can definitely keep this up because he's done it before he did it as a rookie so Mm -hmm. it's just all about knowing your role and not being in like an ambiguous situation yep Tommy what about you
0: uh, yeah, this is – Jordan Clarkson is kind of showing this point we were trying to make before Lou got traded, right? Like there were all these people who said, oh, why would we trade Lou? Uh, just trade Jordan Clarkson instead. And our point Stupid. that we were <laughs> – our point that we were sort of trying to make, right, which was – Jordan, the whole point is we're trying to develop Jordan Clarkson to be the Lou of like this young core, you know what I mean? Like, when the young core develops, Jordan Clarkson is also still going to be young, which is kind of the point. He's not going to be 35 like Lou Williams. So, so we're kind of seeing that now, like Jordan Clarkson I don't know. I mean, we've all played basketball, right? And I think there's, uh, not at like a high level, but, but uh, a <laughs> uh, very, very low level. But even at our very low level, we have, there's this sense you sort of get when you're like the best player on the floor, right? If you're the best player on your team, you sort of take a little bit more, you know, accountability or owner, you, you feel more confident in taking the shots yeah. and, and, and doing everything on your own because you're like, I'm the best player. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to make... Life easier for my teammates. I'm supposed to score the most points, et cetera, et cetera. And Jordan Clarkson, now when he comes in with that bench unit, he's the best player on that unit. There's not Lou Williams there anymore who is, is uh, the alpha dog and Jordan Clarkson's picking up the scraps. It, now Jordan Clarkson's the alpha dog. And you see a complete shift. And to be honest, I questioned this Jordan Clarkson to the bench thing from the very beginning. And I've sort of silently questioned it the entire season. And now that Lou Williams is off the team, I finally understand what the point of this was. And I think Jordan Clarkson is going to be a great asset moving forward uh, if we hold on to him. Coming off the bench, uh, his energy defensively has been amazing. His energy offensively has been amazing. And I think he's going to continue to keep this up. And I think he's really, really starting to come into a six-man role, which is nice to see.
3: Yeah. And I think the biggest thing I've seen from Jordan Clarkson, and this is kind of like one of those intangible things, but I feel like his swagger is back. Like you can just see it in his movements, his crossover dribbles. There's a lot more swag in there. So props to Jordan Clarkson for uh, getting back into a groove.
2: And now insurance minded speeches from Geico. It's a common expression. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the Geico app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the Geico app. Look it in the mouth. Get amazing services. Thank you.
3: Um, so, yeah, I think that'll do it for us. I guess, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you, Tommy, was with regards to rotations, I think some people were worried that, man, what's it going to take for D'Angelo Russell to consistently get 30 minutes? Because against OKC, he got 35 minutes. But then against San Antonio, he only got 29 minutes. And obviously, Luke had to insert Tyler Ennis. He had to insert Corey Brewer into the lineup. So are you concerned moving forward with these rotations and whether or not Clarkson and Russell and the young guys are going to get the minutes they need. We know Brandon Ingram's going to get like 35 no matter what, but what about the rest of these guys, and do you see a fix? Or do you think it's just a matter of, hey, the San Antonio game was pretty much a blowout for much of the game, so that's what dictated the minutes distribution, even though he did have to insert guys like Brewer, Ennis, and Thomas Robinson. But, so yeah, I guess I'll ask you that.
0: Uh, I think that was just, uh, that just happened to be the context of that game. Um, what did Ennis play? I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think Ennis played like five or so minutes. Uh, eight minutes. Yeah. Eight minutes. Okay, there you go. So D'Angelo played 29 in that game. If it was a close game, I'm very confident Ennis would not have been inserted into the lineup. You know, it was kind of a blowout, and there's only so many games left in the season. So it's like, why not just throw Ennis out there for a few? I do understand the counter to this argument I'm making right now, which is, yeah, fine, do that. And if you're not dealing with a 21 year old point guard, who's been on sort of a minutes restriction the entire year because of Lou Williams. Uh, So I, I am a little bit, it's, it's all like a balance. I'm not concerned as a general matter with D'Angelo getting his consistent 30 to 35 minutes per game to close the season, I do think that even in blowout games, you have to continue to play him. It's like if he, a guy can get hurt at any time and D'Angelo Russell is not Kobe Bryant in his prime. He's still developing. He's 21. He needs time on the floor. Um, He needs to get his confidence going with like his stats being boosted up a little bit. Uh, He needs experience playing with all of his teammates because he's the point guard. Um, So... I, I guess that's a little bit annoying, but uh, as a general matter, I still think he's going to average, you know, 30 to 35.
3: Yeah. And I think an easy way to do this, I think hopefully eventually this will happen. Luckily, Luau Dang went from playing 20 minutes against OKC to only 12 against San Antonio. So hopefully so Luke, sad. Luke just needs to bench <laughs> this guy, give him zero minutes. This is
5: so sad, man. Yeah. Pull a Mozgov.
3: It is what it is, right? This yeah. is what, we're ha- what, what we have to do. It doesn't matter if these guys are making $34 million combined off the bench. This is kind of what we did to ourselves or what Mitch did, and Mitch is gone.
0: Thanks, Mitch.
4: <laughs> Thanks.
3: <laughs> so it's like, was that do- donald trump or <laughs> i don't know who
5: that was just...
3: yeah but i think an easy way to do this is just cap nick young to maybe 18 to 20 minutes a game we already know what he's going to provide us with and he's probably not even going to resign with us he's probably going to opt out and we might make him walk in the summer anyway so there's no use in giving him 25 minutes plus so cap him at 20 minutes Give Dang zero minutes. If you need a continue to continue the trial period Brewer for 10 minutes or so, that's fine. And then Ennis, I think he obviously, he needs a trial period as well. So give him 10 minutes as well. But I think just eliminating Dang's minutes... Cutting down Swaggies is going to do a lot in terms of giving Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo at least 30 minutes. Clarkson only really needs 30 minutes now that he has the ball in his hands. That's fine. D'Angelo needs to average at least 32 minutes, in my opinion. So
0: I, uh, I would say even 35. I mean, like Devin Booker, I don't I hate to make this direct comparison, but they're two lottery pick guards from the same draft who are, uh, happen to be friends. But uh, Devin Booker is averaging 35 minutes a game over the course of the entire year. Uh, and he has several 40-plus-minute games. Um, I'm not saying D'Angelo has to have that, but I think 35 is not unreasonable. This guy's 20 uh, 21 years old, for God's sake.
3: Yep, I agree. Uh, last question, Alan. What did you think of Tyler Ennis? How did he look to you in his eight minutes? He had five points, two assists, one rebound, one steal.
5: He looked all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would I, would I rather have Mar- Marcelo Huertas in there? Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. No, not at all. <laughs> um, I, I thought he was... You know he played his game. He played really under control. He's not super athletic. He's but uh, but like you said earlier today, Tommy, we were all kind of chatting. He has super freaking long arms. It's his leg crazy. is insane. Yeah, yeah, that's really impressive. Um, he had a, a really nice like kind of sweeping hook shot ish type thing in the paint <laughs> late in the game. I was not expecting that. He had a really nice dime to uh, Thomas robin Thomas Robinson for that uh, monster dunk. So. Again, it's it's a 20-something game tryout for us to take a look at the guy. Uh, he's going to obviously get minutes here, so it's a good situation for him. Um, yeah, thought it was fine. He looked like he looked like an NBA player that could get yeah. some minutes here and there, whereas Marcelo Huertas doesn't really look like an NBA player. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tommy,
3: what did you think of Ennis?
0: I like his length a lot, and I'm very intrigued. I, I When this trade happened, this is like... I don't know what's going on on the Reddit Lakers community. Um, people like were violently overreacting to this trade. I, I, maybe it wasn't the Lakers subreddit, but like the NBA subreddit. All these Laker fans went on there and are like, "Why did we trade Marcelo Tyler for a guy who's not even an NBA player?" And I'm thinking. Huh? Marcelo Huertas just immediately was traded to just be waived. So actually, Marcelo Huertas is not an NBA player technically. Literally, (laughs) literally, he's not an NBA player. But also, Tyler Ennis, look, Tyler Ennis is like two years removed, two and a half years removed from being drafted number eighteen in what what, as what was at the time considered an extremely deep draft. He just happened to be drafted by the Phoenix Suns, who at that time had Eric Uh Bledsoe. Uh, Goran Dragic and Isaiah Thomas all on the same team. And then when they traded, uh, when they made their trade, they they replaced, I'm blank. Oh yeah, they replaced uh, Thomas or Dragic with Brandon Knight. The point is when they made the trade, they ended up getting another point guard in Brandon Knight. So Ennis never got a shot there. And then he was traded. Actually, he was part of that trade. Um, And then he was traded (laughs) to the Bucs. Never really got a shot. Second year, he actually played okay, and then year after that, this year, never really got a shot with Houston because they're like a win-now contending team, and they have several guards ahead of him. So I don't know. It's fair to say a 22-year-old point guard with a six-seven wingspan has like no upside. I know he has limited athleticism, but he seems like he has really good defensive potential. I think he was all ACC first-team defense or whatever however they do it. He was on the all-defense team. Um and he's got great length. I'm very, very intrigued. I'm not saying he's for sure the backup point guard of our future. I'm just saying that, like, I, it's definitely worth a look to me. And if we can resign him for, like, resign, I don't know why I keep saying resign him. <laughs> we, should, we, we can resign him for, you know, one year cheap deal or a couple years at a cheap deal. And as, like, an upside pick, I'm 100% on board for that. If, assuming we see some some flashes for the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, and I mean, he's just a competent ball handler who can run a pick and roll, and that's all you really want, and outside of that, he does flash some upside, because he can get to the rim, and he has a really nice mid-range jump shot. I've actually seen him compared to, like, Mike Bibby in terms of what he can do off the pick and roll, just pulling up for a jump shot, and during his last stint with Milwaukee, there were a couple games where he got the opportunity to start, and towards the end of that season, he had, like, a 12-assist game, an 11-assist game, so this guy can definitely pass it, and he's very smart, and every time he's gotten, you know, he's averaged the most 14 minutes in a season and every time he's gotten 14 minutes he's always gotten two assists 2.4 assists getting that many assists in that short amount of time is really impressive actually and he doesn't get a lot of turnovers so I think just having a solid competent guy to run that offense is helpful for the Lakers and and like you said I think he only needs like 10-12 minutes to really show some sort of signs that we can just use him as a backup point guard moving forward so
0: yeah if we if he if all he ends up being is a guy who you trust with the ball in his hands and he plays defense that's enough to be a backup point guard in the NBA in my opinion right like if he offense is important and you know he's shown some signs that he can shoot the three decently well if he's wide open these are all the like the minimum that you require and the main thing is defense if we're going to start d'angelo russell as our point guard of the future we need to have a guy behind him who's just a lockdown defender and if ennis can develop into that then he becomes very 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 valuable
3: yep agree all right so with that said i think that'll do it for our show Alan, do you want to quickly tell us about your experience at Galen Center and uh, watching Lame- LaMelo Ball? Was that? Who
5: was there? LaMelo and Leangelo.
4: Ooh.
5: Yeah.
3: Insider scout.
5: Scouting early for us. <laughs> oh, man. So I went with my cousin and we got, there were two games that night, right? There was one that started at like six or something like that. And then the Chino Hills versus modern day game was at eight 8.30. So we got there about halfway through the third of game number one, and I will say these guys played basketball very, very well. Uh, there are a lot of prospects in there who are going to be going to like D1, really good basketball schools. So then you see that, you are like, oh man, well, these teams are worse than Chino Hills. That's pretty crazy. Uh, and then you watch Chino Hills, uh, and it was not impressive. <laughs> uh, it, it didn't feel like I was watching basketball, to be honest. It was they run two plays, okay? Play, play number one is Lamello, the younger one who scored 92 points in that game, dribbles a ball up the floor, and he chucks it up from either 25 feet, 30 feet, 35 feet, or 40 feet. Uh, what precedes that is him doing a lot of and one mixtape type moves. Uh, maybe not as flashy, but he's just dribbling through his legs, trying to shake the guy, the defender off of him. And he just jacks up a shot and, you know, sometimes it went in and it was pretty exciting, but mostly didn't.
3: I believe the, yeah, sorry. The, the current clip that's circulating around, around Twitter is, I think it's an end of, end of possession, right? The shot clock's running down and.
5: Yeah, that was to tie the game. That, yeah, yeah, that, that was the one that uh, went into overtime.
3: Do you want to describe what happens there?
5: Yeah, dude, he just dribbled it for like 30 seconds and just chucked up a shot.
3: (laughs) Not only did he dribble it for 30 seconds, but he waited, he dribbled for 30 seconds and then waited for the defense to close in on him from 45 feet. And then only when the defense... Well, he wanted to
5: take it at the last second, you know. (laughs) Byron Scott's strategies. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got to be a last-second shot. He's like, now I'm going to chuck this from 45 feet instead of maybe op- passing it to an open teammate. So yeah. I thought that was incredible. And you told us that there were probably four or more, four or more types of those plays.
5: Oh, my gosh, dude, so many. Then play number two is he gives it to his brother, Lamelo, who is a senior, 6'6", 240, LiAngelo? Sorry, LiAngelo, 240 freaking pounds. Um, He'll post up from, like, 18 feet away pound the ball back to the basket, and then from there he'll most likely kick it back out to Leangelo because he's going to get double teamed in the paint. They exclusively, both brothers, stay on the left side of the floor. I think Leangelo went to the right side of the court one time. One time, there's zero weak side motion whatsoever. I feel so bad for those three other guys just standing around. Um, I think that coach is in a real lose lose situation. I'm sure he's capable of coaching basketball, but my cousin and I just kept saying, Man, what the heck do they even do in practice? You know, they literally just stand around, probably jacking up threes, and that's about it. So, uh, it was a bit of a downer, but it was an eye opener. That's for sure. I think it's interesting that LaMelo, the younger one is rated like a 95 or something. He's a five-star yeah. recruit. Uh, the older one, Leangelo is only a 79 and he's a three-star recruit. Um, so anyway, that was my experience. I liked the other two games a lot better. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting to see what they're gonna turn into at the next level because um, they didn't play basketball out there that night. Oh, and there was zero defense whatsoever. Le- Le- shoot, man, I keep getting screwed up. Lamelo, the younger one, um, got blown by so many times on defense. Transition defense. He's literally jogging, basically, so he can stay closer to half court and get an outlet pass from out of bounds. <laughs> like that's that's exactly what it was.
3: Well, hopefully, they get a lot smarter by the time they come to the La Lakers. <laughs> 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 All right. Thank you guys for listening. That'll do it for us. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes because the more you rate and interview us, that's how many more La 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 Lulu La Lili li, Lolos. <laughs> LaVar Ball will have as sons who will also go to the Lakers. So there you go.
5: Le Kareem, Le Kobe, La Shaq.
3: <laughs> Ball. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tommy Allen, I'm going to catch you guys later. Peace.
5: Bye. Later.